0: Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema, one glorious genre at a time.
1: I'm Rowan Ellis.
0: And I'm Jazza John.
1: Each episode, we discuss a movie from a different genre of cinema.
0: This episode's genre is Queer, Queer Holiday. Ho, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, ho, very good.
1: Merry Christmas. This episode... <laughs> This episode's movie is going to be wild. We are going to be reviewing the brand new romantic comedy for the 2021 holiday season, Single All The Way, directed by Michael Mayer.
0: But before we crack open our candy canes um, and deck our festive halls, uh, Rowan, what's the gayest thing that you've done since the last episode?
1: I don't think that I can let crack open our candy canes just slide past. <laughs> like that was a normal thing to say. Jazz, do you in know fact, what? I was I was script. really,
0: I was I was leaning in hard to the alliteration when I wrote it mm-hmm. and didn't actively stop and think, does one actively actually crack open a candy cane? I don't think you In do. fact,
1: you do the opposite of that. I feel like if someone gave you, you were like, oh, can you open my candy cane? And instead of unwrapping it, they just cracked it in half so that it like broke through the plastic. That would be fundamentally a misuse of candy canes. <laughs>
0: I am, I'm going to, I'll cede this one to you. Um, okay. I think that's fair, yeah. No. <laughs> Guys,
1: we, listen, we don't have time to do a whole rewrite, you know, we could have we gone with a few <laughs> more passes, but we're just gonna have to continue. Um, In answer to your question, the gayest thing I've done is that I made a Christmas ornament from scratch, a little felt Christmas ornament. And you may think to yourselves, Rowan, that's not particularly gay, it's just Christmassy. Well, here's the thing. For one month a year in December, those are gonna be hanging on a tree as Christmas ornaments. But for the other 11 months, because I stuff them with catnip they will be cat toys. So the cat related DIY is the reason why that is the gayest thing I've done since last episode.
0: Cat DIY is mm-hmm. that is is hyper queer. Um I support you in this decision. Although I do have a question. When these hang on I actually don't really know how catnip works. In my head it's just drugs for cats. Yeah. So when it's hanging on a tree does that not mean that the cat is going to maybe attack like Is it going to compromise the tree? I'm just worried about your safety. Yeah, 100%. Oh, cool. Okay. But But you've calculated that. That's a calculation that you've made already and you're willing to take that risk.
1: Well, it's not really a risk this year because my kittens are too young for catnip to affect them. Mm. But uh, this is a problem for next year's Rowan. It's essentially (laughs) what's happening
0: here. Kick that felt toy down the road. Definitely. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, How about you, Jazza? What's the gayest thing you've done recently?
0: So I went to uh, see Rina Sawayama in concert a little bit before all of the Omicron stuff uh, started, uh, and it was just completely wholesome. It's not particularly funny, it's not particularly kind of like, oh, witty anecdote here, but... She is such a great representation of, like, young queer artists in the UK and from the UK. She's um queer herself and has a Japanese heritage, too. Is from Landen and I got to see her on her home turf in Brixton. She released one of the Lockdown albums last year and was really, like, really, like, warmed my heart with her metal-inspired pop music. It was phenomenal. It was like going to to gay heaven for an evening. Uh, She made us laugh, made us cry, made us go, ooh, ah. Um, And if you haven't already, check out Rina Sawayama, please. Thank you very much.
1: I shall. First, we're going to talk about the genre of Christmas movies, then address the state of queers during the holiday season, and finally, their representation in media.
0: We will then be splitting the film into three acts and take you through an analysis of the plot, which is definitely unpredictable and surprising.
1: Finally, we'll give the movie our very special gay ratings.
0: We will be spoiling all of this movie. Though, frankly, it's very paint-by-numbers predictable, so I'm not sure if there's really going to be any shocks in store for you when you actually do come to watch this movie. If you really want to be surprised when everything goes exactly as expected, even when it makes no sense for character development, maybe swing by and listen to us once you've actually had a chance to watch. And obviously, trigger warnings for too much festive cheer.
1: So without further ado, let's get on our nativity outfits and tackle Single All The Way. So normally at this point in the podcast, we talk about, you know, like the history of the genre that we're talking about and like queer representation and the historical context of the movie and et cetera, et cetera. Here's the thing. This movie was made in the modern day right now, this year. It tells a story of people who are living life in a sort of suspended universe where coronavirus hasn't happened, but functionally this year. So, there's not really a lot of historical context we can give you, gang. In terms of the genre, again, queer Christmas movies are a rare breed that have only really hatched out of the gay womb two, <laughs> two years ago. And they sort I'm of sorry, packed I'm them just... all in.
0: <laughs> the <laughs> metaphorical gay got mixed. womb.
1: The gay womb. Also, also hatched out of the gay womb as well it was really there's there was a lot of metaphors happening in that one sentence and none of them are christmas related which i regret
0: hey to be fair we're all aliens anyway so that's we true. would be hatching yeah, yeah yeah that's how we reproduce
1: give away the secrets jazza um yeah we ba- they basically just packed all of them into two two full years they were like look coronavirus is happening everyone's sad but the gays are already you know pretty mentally ill we need to give them something and what we need to give them is just an a, stocking stuffed full of christmas movies (laughs) there we go i brought it back around to christmas metaphors but what i did want to talk a little bit about is this phenomenon of like christmas movies and therefore like how queer people have fit into it so when you start thinking about christmas movies i feel like you might have one genre in mind and then they sort of just start expanding and spilling out and i am saying christmas movies because although i'm sure technically it's like holiday movies festive movies let's be real all of them involve Christmas. Mm -hmm. Like, they they can say it's a festive movie or a holiday movie, but they have not committed to any other festive celebration except Christmas in these movies. Even if it's nothing to do with religion, which a lot of them aren't, it's still culturally Christmas.
0: Yeah, 100%. There will occasionally be a side character who reminds the audience, ah, Hanukkah exists. Have you thought of Kwanzaa? Um, However, they are very rarely central to the plot. So... Mm. People will say holiday movies. Almost all of these are explicitly Christmas.
1: Exactly. So you have the classics like It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street, etc. The comedy and kids movies, which I think are kind of the bulk of people's favourites. So the Nativity series in the UK, The Grinch, The Santa Claus, Muppet's Christmas Carol, Polar Express etc. Polar Express, which I actually have never seen. But the other day on a Christmas Spotify playlist that was on Shuffle, the hot chocolate song from that movie appeared. And it is an absolute nightmare of a fever dream of a song. And I'm fully persuaded to watch it this year just for that.
0: I have to add that to my playlist. And also, I I can't believe that you have uh, skipped the movie that is really definitive of straight culture at Christmas, Rowan. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Elf.
1: Oh, how could I forget?
0: I know that's fair enough I'm I'm, I'm sorry we've we've ticked our our straight culture quota for this episode
1: yes I'm glad we got it out of the way early (laughs) we also have I say we and I mean me because Jazz will not be partaking in the Christmas horror movies no thank you Black Christmas Krampus the children better watch out all of those classics and then you have the sort of Christmas movies like Die Hard ones where it's like I guess it's happening at Christmas, which, <laughs> which, like me and Jazza were just saying, there's actually a, a few queer movies that were made before this, like, specifically Christmas queer movie boom that are happening around Christmas and so technically mm-hmm. could be classified as queer Christmas movies.
0: Yeah, there's some, like, the, the I mean, I friggin' love Tangerine, which is, uh, came out in 2017 and is, I would say that it, It's explicitly a a Christmas movie, like there's a Christmas performance, uh, there's a big family feud, but it tells the story of kind of like a a group of trans sex workers in LA over Christmas, which is phenomenal. We watched that as part of the queer movie club that we run once a month on our Discord. I guess Anna and the Apocalypse yeah, also is a queer Christmas movie. I always... (laughs) I mean... It's what are, what are the genres you it's it's zombies Christmas queer, musical. and musical of course how could I forget the musical section another one that we watched as a group and is just I mean it's bananas but I do love it a lot.
1: It's great if you haven't watched an the Apocalypse I implore you this holiday season to give it a go because that is not an exaggeration it is very much a zombie apocalypse Christmas musical that has a a lesbian as one of the ensemble leads and it's great Mm
0: -hmm, 100% also I want to put this to you although I'm not sure how much does it count as a queer movie I don't know Uh, when you type in LGBT movies into Google Mean Girls comes up and now, obviously, there is the "Jingle Bell, Jingle Bell Rock" lip mm-hmm. sync that they do as part yep. of the Christmas fate. The performances that they do. There is very little explicit queerness in the movie. I don't know, but it, it, I would say Mean Girls is, is at least gay male culture. I don't know if you. Would I agree mean, with
1: he's that. he's he's almost too gay to function. And Janice Ian is very clearly a lesbian. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no, but she's Lebanese. Lebanese. Oh, I'm Rowan. so sorry. Lebanese. No, she's a lesbian, and. <laughs> I what I say goes, I am the author now. I've very much like the plot of the Santa Claus. The author's dead and I've taken their place. <laughs> <Great>. And <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who Knew Tina Fey has, has passed away. Fantastic. You heard it here first.
1: Mm, from me. So Carol as well, actually. Again, it's mm. another like queer kind of incidentally Christmas movie at the same time so it's it's i guess we kind of had a little smattering before these recent years i also would like to point out before we get into the actual genre that this single all the way movie is which is very specifically the american christmas romance movies Mm. we do have british like christmas rom-coms and at first i was I think the reason why I was really trying to get my head around what genre this was was because I was obviously more used to the Christmas movies that happen in the UK or the Christmas yeah the the Christmas movies that happen in the UK are like Love Actually, Last Christmas, Lost Christmas. I forgot as well, which is I love that movie. Mm. Basically, British Christmas movies are all inherently tragic, is what I've realised. They
0: yeah, they're all melancholic, really sad, sad, really. Yeah.
1: Um. So they have like a real difference to them compared to the very sort of saccharine cookie cutter Hallmark type American like made for TV Christmas movies and so there is there is definitely a difference there and i personally know the ones i prefer and it's not this one it's not single all the way sadly not to spoil i know not to spoil my thoughts about this episode but i have a feeling i don't know how Jasa feels about this movie yet but i have a feeling that i am going to be a little grinchy. I'm going to try not to be, but um, (laughs) it's not, not necessarily my style. But I'm also very much a proponent of when if you're like reviewing a movie reviewing it you can talk about your own feelings about it but i really get annoyed with reviewers especially professional reviewers who will review a movie with seemingly no consciousness of like who the target audience is and like whether this movie does what it should do for the target audience so i Mm. like this is the reason why i think a lot of movies specifically made for teen girls get really badly rated on like rotten tomatoes even though every teen girl is obsessed with this movie Mm -hmm. is because it's just a load of middle-aged white men who Clearly, this movie isn't for them. And they're just like, this shouldn't make any sense. Or like, these characters were too immature. And you're like, no shit, Philip. Like, Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm. See our Jennifer's Body episode. Indeed. For, for, for more hot takes on that from Rowan Ellis.
1: So although I'm not the target audience, I will I will try and be supportive. But yes, this so this made for TV, Christmas movie, romance thing. Biggest player in the game is obviously Hallmark. Their movies typically revolve around a single, straight, typically white woman looking or not looking but ultimately finding love during the holidays. They make, like, this channel alone makes dozens of these each year, and literally millions of people watch them. Like, they are hugely successful. But none of their movies until very recently really had anything LGBT to do with them. Mm. Like, for a long time, it just wasn't their thing. And I think that very specifically it's because it was a reasonably conservative part of media, and a lot of links to being like, in inverted commas, wholesome family rom-com genres and the cultural assumption that queerness doesn't belong in those genres. Like they couldn't possibly have had even one very special gay movie because it just would not have, it would have been so antithetical to what a Hallmark Christmas movie romance was meant to be about, basically.
0: Yeah, and it's because there's so much... This is stuff for middle America, really, I feel like. And until quite recently, having... Uh, openly queer characters was still a bit of a no-no in uh, that part of the world and and arguably still is. And so you'd maybe have kind of like nods to queerness in these kinds of movies, but very rarely would it be explicit or anything beyond kind of like a sassy gay sidekick, which which are the roles that um, we kind of got given to us for a very, very long time Mm -hmm. in this area. But last year... And I'd be curious to know if you found anything as to why this was a phenomenon. But in 2020, year one of the COVID pandemic, there just seemed like there was a huge explosion on streaming services for Hallmark style queer Christmas movies.
1: Would you like would you I mean would you like my list?
0: Okay. <laughs> I'd love your list. Go on.
1: So last year we had <laughs> Happiest Season, A New York Christmas Wedding, The Christmas House, and Dashing in December, plus the Christmas setup which is where a guy goes home to Milwaukee to spend the holidays with his mum who's in charge of the local Christmas celebrations and meddles in his love life, specifically his old friend and crush, Patrick, just as he's offered a promotion in London. Which, if this is sounding similar to the movie we were about to review, it's because it fucking is. And it's honestly, I haven't seen this movie and I already know it's probably a better version of this movie that we're about to review because mm-hmm. it has actually interesting, like more interesting stakes and more pared down cast so they can spend more time with each character. But yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's a movie that's already like literally just happened the year before. And then this year, we also get Single All the Way. It's not the first gay Christmas movie, but it is the first that Netflix has put out because they famously have like. A million Christmas movies, including three where Vanessa Hudgens plays three different straight people at Christmas in the Princess Switch trilogy. Lots of royal based Christmas Prince, Christmas Prince 2, Christmas Prince 3. And then there's also other uh, channels have gotten into this. They've got this year. We also have With Love, Christmas House 2, Deck Those Halls, Under the Christmas Tree, (laughs) The Bitch Who Stole Christmas, which is the RuPaul offering.
0: Which I'm very much looking forward to seeing. I'm just going to say that's one thing that Singled All The Way needed. More drag queens.
1: Yeah, it didn't have any. Mm. So yeah, that's essentially like, maybe gives you an an idea of like, we had almost nothing. We had in 2009, there was a very, very low budget indie vibes movie called Make the Altai Gay about a gay guy who comes home for the holidays and his boyfriend like, comes to spend the holidays with him as a surprise, not realizing he's not out to his family because he's like very out in there. Like, I think they're at university and everything obviously starts to unravel. And so that was like really all we got rent, I guess, is a Christmas movie, technically. <laughs> I'm like really scraping the barrel. Um, sure. I'm I'm wondering if when you asked about why this was happening, I wonder if we had I'm sure lots of things were going on that suddenly made this boom happen. But I think that we had a sort of almost testing ground in the Netflix movie, Let It Snow, that did do very well, which had a whole ensemble cast, but it had one gay storyline in it in 2019. Mm -hmm. And I think that it potentially, there was this idea of like, oh, we're going to maybe get the first gay, we can be that network that says that they've had the first gay Christmas movie. Like this is something that's been, gone over quite well with audiences we can make it happen and I think Simultaneously Happiest Season had been rumoured for quite a while and was going to be kind of like full of this star-studded gay cast and so I think it was a thing like a genre that was starting to break so yeah I'd be really interested to to, I feel like them someone has to do some kind of oral history of these movies and go back in like five years time and see like what was the decision behind making these Mm. movies because there must have been something in the water because they all sort of came out at once
0: Mm -hmm. I have a quick question I think before we actually dive into reviewing the movie and Mm -hmm. going through the plot you were talking about the fact that you weren't the target audience for this movie or this genre of movie who the fuck is the target audience
1: listen i know okay the people who are watching hallmark are i think that it's like really specific it's like women between 25 and 45 it's like it's it's a really really specific market and apparently it's a it's a market that really loves snow because I found a quote from an anonymous source at Hallmark that just says, the first rule is snow. We really wanted to do one where the basic conflict was a fear that there would be no snow on Christmas. We were told you cannot do that. There must be snow. They, mu- they can't be waiting for the snow. There has to be snow. You cannot threaten them with no snow.
0: <laughs> you <laughs> cannot threaten them with no
1: snow. So clearly it's a market for people who love snow, one, and also love like zero stakes in them in their media, which is fair enough. And I do think that there is an argument that like this should work for queer people, right? Because I think a lot of queer people would quite like low stakes stuff where there is no threats of like homophobia or gay bashing or like queer, like the, uh, you know, bury your gays type sure, sure. tropes. So that kind of, I feel like I get that logic, but it turns out I'm not one of those queers.
0: Mm-hmm. So we will dive into the, the movie in a sec. But I think that it's an interesting phenomenon of gay storylines finally becoming kind of like mainstream movies. And Benjamin Lee from The Guardian compared the single all the way movie that we we're about to talk about to the Love, Simon phenomenon, mm-hmm. which though and also was not the biggest... Fan of it. I don't think I don't think that's We've a secret. established this. this, isn't That's not no <laughs> <Yeah>. secret. <laughs> and the fact that it was just it was light and fluffy, low stakes, and actually not really very representative of what it is like to be a queer person going home for Christmas. With that said, shall we dive into this movie? Yes, let's. Hello, Jazza here. This episode wouldn't be happening without the support of our patrons. And if you are able, we would really appreciate your financial support too. Our patrons not only help make sure that we can cover costs like web hosting, which I tell you now, gets um, surprisingly expensive uh, equipment, uh, editing, and of course the literal hours of our own label that go into each episode. They also get perks like access to our Discord server, where we host a monthly queer movie watch along, which is always really fun. Last month we watched the 2017 film Battle of the Sexes, starring Emma Stone as lesbian tennis icon Billie Jean King. One of our Discord OGs, Kwekiewicz, gave it the review and the note that um, it was too long, not gay enough. I mean, I, I had a lovely time watching that movie, but... Tell us what you really think guys, uh, but uh, that kind of banter is, is super handy the discord and we always have fun. Uh, other perks for Patreon members include monthly film recommendations, newsletters about queer stuff we found on the internet, and of course, the glowing sense of self-satisfaction that you are supporting queer media. Sincerely, sincerely, thank you. Our podcast is privileged enough to be part of the multitude collective of creators. It's important to us as part of that collective to show some of our sibling pods some love and give them a little bit of a shout out a trusted recommendation if you will may i therefore recommend to you another multitude show join the party now rowan and i are big dungeons and dragons fans i personally am currently playing a two year long campaign where I am a druidic gnome named golly gosh dum dum winkle kicker boom basil tom gumdrop who collects the teeth of the monsters that he has slain. I'm in deep my loves. I'm in real deep. But if you want an introduction to Dungeons & Dragons that makes it accessible, but also has a squad who clearly love one another and make each other laugh, then Join the Party is a podcast for you. It is way more accessible than many other D&D podcasts out there, and you have some options for where to start. If you want a classic high fantasy, then start with campaign one. But if you want something that's a little bit modern superhero homebrew vibes, then start with campaign two whatever adventure you choose they have an after party every month where with their community they discuss campaigns joke around answer listener questions etc so i highly recommend join the party i'm currently working my way through campaign one chef's kiss really great stuff you can search for them in your podcatcher just by typing in join the party or go to jointhepartypod.com So, as always, we split our film into three bite-sized chunks so that it is easier for you, dear listener, to understand what our highbrow conversation is going to be about. And we name each of those chunks. The first one is the party and its aftermath. So we are introduced to, for for any new listeners, there's a party in every single one of the movies that we talk about.
1: Coincidentally, that isn't a... a A prerequisite for us choosing the movie it just happens and i did message jazz as i was watching going like if there's if there's three fucking parties again in this in this movie because we've had a previous episode where we had to name every single one of the three sections the party and its aftermath because there were so many parties happening Mm -hmm. not not so in this i believe we only have two
0: but we are introduced in our opening scene to our protagonist peter who is played by michael yuri who it sounds like from all of the reviews um People only know him from Ugly Betty. Yeah. I only know him from Ugly Betty. Yeah. I'm not too mad about that. Rowan, I just want to ask you, this may be a rude question to ask, but how old do you think he is? I think he's late 30s. You're pretty close. He is 41. Dang. And bear that in mind as we go forward in this movie as he ends up getting advice from fucking Zoomers. Um, <laughs> but he we are introduced <laughs> to Peter as he is shooting a social media commercial for a shaving brand. And... Rowan, I don't know how important you know this is, but two cameos that are presented to us are of Carl Krieger and Maxisms, who are two gays from LA, who I'm pretty sure the only reason that they are in this movie is so that they would post about it on Instagram so all of the gays would go and watch it. That tracks. hmm Yeah. One hundred.
1: I really enjoyed the fact that this whole scene essentially, I think, is to establish... like. There were lots of hot topless guys and he didn't check Mm. any of them out. Mm. And I think it was to establish his wholesome nature and the fact that he does in fact belong in this Hallmark movie. But for the ladies out there, there would be hunky men that they could ogle later on. Because I would say that uh, our lead Peter is not necessarily as ogleable for the type of audience who this sort of movie would traditionally be for. So I like that they kind of like had like a, a leaning of like, don't worry, he's not one of those... He's not one of those gays who's on the grinder all the time. He just is a plant dad. He just talks to his plants and is dissatisfied with his job. Just like yeah. the women in your classic Hallmark movies.
0: You, no, but you know what, Peter, clearly he, he, he plays a role and that is he is the gay son that every woman who is watching this movie wants.
1: You know what, you are correct, actually. Yes, mm-hmm. that is what is happening that, in these
0: movies. That's the role that he plays. So we're introduced to him and his... Uh, weird job he goes home we're introduced to the fact that he is a plant dad oh my god he's so relatable Mm -hmm. so quirky Um, he he has named his plants uh two of his plants there are more than two but two of them that are named characters what's the plant version of the Bechdel test
1: I was gonna say yeah suddenly I've realized that it could pass (laughs) if those plants talk to each other 100%
0: um oh my god we should actually also look through and see if the movie passes the Bechdel test. Oh, it I'm fully pretty doesn't. Sure it doesn't. Yeah, um, but the plants are called Linda and Judith. Um, so clearly this guy is uh, somewhat unhinged, and we're building a picture of why <laughs> maybe, of why maybe somebody doesn't want to spend longer than um three months with him. And we're also introduced to his roommate and best friend Nick, played by Philemon Chambers,
1: mm-hmm. who is a newcomer from what I can tell. I think he's only been in one other thing, and um, very quickly. It's looking like we're getting a friends to lovers fake dating story. The tropes are coming out, and I'm here for it. I'm like, yep, this sounds great. Fake dating, friends to lovers. We'll get a lot of chemistry. They'll have a lot of scenes together. We'll see that attraction slowly building.
0: Well, that very quickly is
1: dashed for me. But you know, it was it was there for a hot hot minute there.
0: I'll be honest, Ryan. This is, uh, but that storyline is hugely spoiled. By the thumbnail that is presented to you when you go to watch this on Netflix, because you already know that they are going to get together at some point.
1: I mean, I think you know that from the fact that this is a rom-com Christmas movie. I don't know whether oh, it necessarily was I... spoiled. I think the thing—the thing that was—the thing that was frustrating to me was that we'll get to this later. But the the lack of everything I just said, right? The lack of fake dating. I could have I could have been fine with that. But it was the fact that like what fake dating allows you to do is have two characters who slowly and organically develop a an attraction to each other or if they're friends to like romance they realize what they're feeling is something that could be romance or there's like a particular thing that stood in their way that they managed to overcome no we just we get them not being in a lot of scenes together the entire movie Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. it's all very conceptual there is one thing that i'd like to that i'd like to touch on just before we jump into the actual party and then it's aftermath Mm -hmm. oddly i think nick is given his job is a task rabbit was this sponsored? Worker.
1: Was this a sponsored meeting? So
0: this is what I... So I was hoping the whole way through, is this a commentary on the gig economy and late capitalism and eventually all of the task grabbit workers rise up and unite? We actually have Carl Krieger and Maxisms discussing their wages openly in front of their employer and Karl uh, Krieger finds out that he was paid more than everybody else on the shoot. And I really wanted there to be kind of like that underlying marxist bent to this movie of maybe an awakening of a class consciousness this is sponsored by task rabbit is it not
1: well okay can i just say it's so funny that i was like oh, i'm so annoyed that it wasn't fake dating and you're like i'm so annoyed that the class the lower classes didn't rise up and <laughs> to take out the guillotine and to head <laughs> everyone in their path and i'm like oh, okay yeah no that as well so it must have been because task rabbit is literally talked about constantly in this movie it is not even like mm-hmm. a product placement like it has no subtlety whatsoever and i'm and they're so specific about it being task rabbit like they don't It's not just a generic gig economy type app. It has to... I haven't Mm -hmm. looked it up, but it must have been sponsored. Because it's also never Mm -hmm. presented in a bad light. It's always great. He always gets a task right when he needs one. You know what I mean? Whenever he's like, like, oh, I've got to think about my emotions. It's like, ding, ding. Do you want a task instead? And he's like, do I? I'll go and paint a house. Mm -hmm. No questions asked.
0: Not to to make this too much about class consciousness, but uh, importantly... He also doesn't need the money. He just works at oh, TaskRabbit or takes jobs at TaskRabbit because I guess it keeps him busy because he's actually really rich because he earned a lot of money from writing a children's book. And I know enough uh, enough. I'm just dropping some names here, Rowan. Um, I know enough people who have published books to know that you cannot just live off of book publishing alone unless you're very, very significantly successful. Maybe he is. Maybe he's released the Lord of the Rings of children's books.
1: But I only one we'll of them. Know. Yeah, if he was, but if he was, <laughs> <laughs> if he had made Peppa Pig, maybe. But can I just say this? This was the point at which the movie I was like, "Oh no, I'm not going to enjoy this film." I don't think because. Actual, the actual dialogue that is in this movie in the first like five minutes, right, <laughs> is you wrote such a good book. You are a good writer. The first book you wrote was a bestseller and now you have money in the bank.
0: That listener, just for reference, is
1: painful.
0: Just for reference, listener, this is, I think, less than five minutes into the movie.
1: It's so soon in the movie. And the silly thing is, we got all that information from him, from like just him mentioning offhand as you would do as a friend like oh don't you have the book money though like you didn't have to say anything else like later on you could specifically mention it because it turns out that the kids in the family know of this book and like that could have been our confirmation of what the book was and everything it was just like when you have exposition that's that obvious it's like this is clearly a movie that they think is going to be played in the background and like almost in a Shakespearean in the worst possible way where like Shakespeare had to keep saying the same plot points over and over again because he fully knew that the people in the audience would not be listening or have understood what he was saying. So it's just like repetition, but he does it in, you know, a beautiful verbose way and this movie does it like that it really had no faith in its audience and i don't know whether people who normally enjoy these movies should be insulted or not by that
0: i'll be honest i wasn't expecting rowan to compare the writing in this movie to shakespeare but we'll move swiftly (laughs) on from that so we um so nick is dragged to the party by peter where the theme is apparently plaid you know what not mad about it but it is LA and everybody is wearing three-piece suits. Yeah,
1: that seems too hot.
0: Yeah, it's slightly weird. We are introduced to Peter's boyfriend of three months and 22 days, who is a cardiologist. He's a doctor. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get the phrase, we get the interaction with uh, Peter's boyfriend. Oh, I love that you love plants. And then Peter goes, I love that you love hearts because he's a cardiologist. I, Do you get it?
1: I for this section just wrote down, "Oh god, the doctor is dreamy. What's the issue? I'm scared. Oh god, is he mm-hmm. lying? I fucking knew it." That's all of the all of what I have written down. Mm-hmm. Because essentially we find out that this amazing cardiologist doctor is in fact married to a woman, has kids, and has fully just been lying this entire time. And I will say the one that one piece I really appreciated about how they handled this bit of the storyline was that when Nick tells like nick is clearly the nick is the one who finds out while he's on a task rabbit job because we love to just get that app in everywhere in this movie Mm, um mm, mm. he he finds this out and so he goes back and he essentially tells peter and peter immediately there's no like you're lying or like why would you say that or like any kind of weird drama between nick and peter peter obviously is like my friend wouldn't lie to me and immediately goes to break up with this guy like there's no drama weird kind of manifested artificial drama around these two best friends like he's like it i think that that and a a small act of subtlety in this movie showed their genuine trust of each other and like wanting the best for each other and like understanding between them that maybe wasn't continued through other points in this film Mm
0: -hmm. i i'm gonna pose this question Mm -hmm. i don't understand why the doctor ever existed
1: i also it
0: feels like completely superfluous to the plot off the back of this, I guess Peter has been telling his family over... Face- he was doing that thing that I really hate, where you're on FaceTime in a... Public uh, place. While you're ordering your coffee. Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, go home, do it there. Thank okay. you very much. I don't need to see your mum's nostrils over your shoulder. He promises that he's going to, like, bring... It- he, he doesn't even say that he's bringing his boyfriend. He said that there's a surprise. And because the boyfriend looks like he's got a whole second life, Peter decides to ask Nick his long best friend to come and pretend to be his boyfriend. This is contorting itself into very strange shapes in order for the plot of this movie to work. Okay.
1: Yeah, they have feel like the inciting incident could have just been like the very first thing that we saw could have just been him having that phone call like if if they wanted it to be like he's recently broken up or whatever but I think that the whole you I knew as someone who has not necessarily watched a lot of these kind of movies but read a, a shit ton of fan fiction that involves these tropes you know as soon as he doesn't say explicitly I'm bringing a boyfriend home and he says like I'm bringing a person home I'm like oh they're chickening out of this fake dating plot line Because the whole... There's no stakes there. There's no, like, tension there. Because he can just... There's no reason for him to claim to be fake dating. If he had said, I'm bringing my boyfriend, and it was like a... Especially what often happens in these movies or these storylines is, like, there's a point of tension with that character where it's, like... It's almost, like, defiantly, like... Actually, I have a boyfriend, and he is going to be coming home for the holidays. So fuck you, basically. In the subtext, he's just like, I don't know, maybe I'll bring someone, maybe I won't. So there was no tension whatsoever going into it. I agree. So let's move on from the doctor, because who cares about him? Mm-hmm. They basically decide he's coming home for Christmas. They have this one line about that really implies that his mum's just died. Um, and then they move on and never mention <laughs> mi- it again. I missed this. What? Yeah, they're like, I know that you you know, love to remember the memories of you and your mum at Christmas, but you shouldn't be alone with those feelings.
0: And then then it's never mentioned again. I completely forgot about this. (laughs) never mentioned again. Clearly no trauma whatsoever. Yeah, just don't even
1: worry about it. Like, Moving on, let's go and visit Aunt Sandy, Jennifer Coolidge. So we basically go to... The, the family house for Christmas and we do have this very like mindless Christmas cheer supportive family no homophobia exists in this universe like it's very mm-hmm. very positive we, we get established very quickly that that is not going to be a part of this storyline that they're going to have relationship problems or whatever but it's going to be very unrelated to any kind of like specifically queer trauma which i think as well like fits very well with this type of movie and this genre and what people are wanting and expecting from it
0: at this point this leads us into the second section for me uh, which is psychopathic family type
1: love that what did i call it did i call this section anything i guess this was just like date time it's date night.
0: You focused on the dating. I focused on the crazy, overbearing yes. family. That's. I think, you know, like, we've hit both of the bases there.
1: So yeah, essentially, we did get a few things that were very hashtag relatable. Like his mom trying to get into Facebook was, like, physically painful because I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what that is like. Played
0: by, by the way, the icon, the legend, Kathina Jimmy. Indeed. We just have to mention some real stars in this movie. By the way, great casting. Cast. Shame about everything else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm. I'm so glad that we're in agreement about this movie. I don't know how I would have coped if it turned out <laughs> you of all people were like had a genuine bone in your body. And then like they sort of do this line that I was like, oh, I guess like if you yeah if you think too hard about fake dating, it is basically just lying to your family. Cause he's like, oh, you know, at least I don't have to lie to your family for 10 days. And I'm like, I guess you don't, okay, fine. I guess you're a good person or whatever. But yeah, we get introduced to all the family. I will say, this is like a big gripe I had with this movie is that there's too many people in this family. We needed it to be really pared down. Like I would have really preferred Mm. it to have been literally like, just have one nephew. Just have that cute kid nephew like be mm-hmm. the kid
0: not the not the older boy not the older nephew boy nephew because they're the same character who is superfluous
1: not yeah, those yeah, two yeah. random teenagers whose personality is that they like their phones have the kid <laughs> and that is so much better to have that be he can play all of the kid roles all of those roles he could have done in various ways and it would have meant that mm-hmm. we got to spend more time with the actual characters who we're meant to care about and their developing relationship and not all this random stuff going on I feel like you can still have chaos and family and overbearingness with like the mum the dad that aren't one of the sisters and this and her husband and this child. Like, that's all we had to have. And I think it would have vastly Mm -hmm. improved the movie, even not just for my, like, personal tastes, but I think for the genre itself as well, it would have made more much more sense to me.
0: Yeah, the siblings, I think, didn't need to be there, really. Least of all, their husbands, Mm -hmm. who... Looked too much alike <laughs> for me to be able to bother. They learning all did. But who so they did they the
1: siblings. It was only because I know some of them from other things. Like obviously, there's like the woman from Shit's Creek, for example. baked Jocelyn, like I knew that to tell them apart for that reason, not because they actually looked different.
0: Mm-hmm. But we
1: essentially get very quickly. He's been set up on a blind date that his mum has set him up with. Just like just the only gay man she's ever met in this town, and she's like, son. <laughs> You'll never guess what I've just done. <laughs> I've set you up with my gym instructor. Uh, what could possibly go wrong? Which is what I was mm-hmm. asking myself because I'm like, clearly something's going to go wrong because we all know that he's ending up with Nick. So, what is happening here? Mm. I had to pause this movie because how badly that date went at Mrs. Claus's, but bad in like a good way where it's like, ha ha ha, it's so endearing that I snorted hot chocolate all over myself. Like, giggle, giggle. <sighs> like, oh my gosh, I'm so clumsy. <laughs> I'm such a YA protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> So attractive but also the hot chocolates <laughs> okay, are so this bit,
0: incredible they did look incredible i think actually this is where we will probably deviate the only bits i actually kind of like liked and enjoyed about this movie were the dates between the ski instructor gym instructor james and peter because i
1: they had as much chemistry as peter and nick i'm just gonna say it it wasn't <laughs> a lot but none of them i thought it was more
0: Hey, I thought it was more. Um, I don't know. I just preferred those, but I think it may just be because they actually spent um, time
1: together. Yeah, Jazzy, you're correct. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Also,
1: I it was it was great because while they were discussing stuff, it was like you know getting to know each other. And all I was getting from the subtext was like, oh, this man literally has no other options. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I don't know if this is love <laughs> or if this is this man literally knows no other gay people and there aren't any within a two hundred mile radius.
0: Yeah, yeah, he only knows middle aged women who he does the spin class yeah. for. You said you had. You'd done some digging on the guy who plays James. I
1: specifically told Jazza not to Google him because I am about to drop some knowledge about this guy. I can't wait. So I, The only reason I looked him up was I really recognised him. I don't think I actually recognised him from anything. I think he clearly just looks like someone. Are you ready? I'm about to tell you some stuff that he's in.
0: Jazza okay, okay. fully is
1: convinced this man is a porn star and that's why I told him not to Google him. No, this man <laughs> is... Very, and I don't know whether this is common knowledge for everyone else, especially people in the US. This man, Christmas romances are his entire career. So he has been in Christmas in My Heart, Christmas at the Chateau, Sense Sensibility and Snowmen, A Shoe Addict's Christmas, Maggie's Uh, Christmas Miracle, (laughs) The Mistletoe Promise, Christmas Land, and early in his career, a short film called Erection
0: so <laughs> he's a porn star
1: yeah at the end there
0: <laughs> um, I get it he's a reference for the basics but i think (laughs) also like very
1: specifically a big part of this is he all of these movies obviously that he was in previously were like straight movies Mm. and he's openly gay Uh, and this is the first time he's been able to play a gay character in a in a hallmark style like christmas movie and so i think that was like quite a nice like little easter egg i guess for people watching and also quite nice for him like i think that the they deliberately cast, like, openly gay actors in these roles and then also peppered in sort of, like, gay royalty, like, Jennifer Coolidge, like, into the surrounding roles as well, like, quite deliberately in their casting.
0: Allowing Luke McFarlane, who plays James, to finally play a gay character in a Christmas movie, I think, actually, makes me feel like this movie was worth it.
1: Yeah, I like this movie now, guys. That's... Mm-hmm. that. Yeah. That is what changed my mind.
0: I want to move... Very quickly Please onto and the most important person in the movie
1: Jennifer Coolidge, correct,
0: yeah. Aunt Sand. So Jennifer Coolidge plays Peter's auntie, and what gay kid does not want Jennifer Coolidge as their auntie? I mean, for goodness' sake, she is. She has a line in the film where it's like, "Gay people are." I'm going to do her voice. Gay people are just obsessed with me, and I don't know why. But I love it. So meta. Neither do we, Jennifer. Jen- <laughs> I know. it's She's so good. And the only thing that I dislike about her usage in this movie, she's the auntie putting on a nativity play that I guess, the only reason that the nativity play even exists is because that's a cliche in, in holiday movies. Um. I don't think it's actually important to the plot in any way, shape, or form. It's a chance for Nick and Peter to like do stuff together, I guess. They lived together, for goodness sake. They didn't need more time together. Anyway. <laughs> the only thing that I really that I disliked about the use of Jennifer Coolidge was the lack of the use of Jennifer Coolidge. Why is this not just her movie? Why Told from her perspective. Why is it
1: not just why didn't she do what she does in the play and take away the script from every other actor and she <laughs> plays every role in this movie? <laughs> Jazzy, you're on something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when is this happening? I We it's need to make I this happen.
1: all I want. That should have been a behind the scenes like Netflix thing that they did where they were like, Jennifer Coolidge plays every character in single all the way. And then they just let her at it. They just gave her a script and at an empty room and were like, Jennifer, go. She'd do mm-hmm, it.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: have no doubt. One hundred. So we get like a very supportive family at this point. Like they, re- you know, the mum wants him to go on a date with James. But then the dad kind of likes and the two randomies kind of like the idea of Nick and Peter getting together. So, you know, the family are both all scheming, but at cross purposes, but all to to find Peter a, a husband. And they have the line from the very cute nephew who I think should be only kid in this entire movie, when did you and Uncle Peter get married? Because I think from the mouths of babes style, stuff like that is brilliant. Again, my entire knowledge of like the romance genre is from fan fiction and kid fic is A plus when it's used like this. So that's my... Just so everyone knows where my qualifications are from.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Thank you very much. We we all knew, Rowan. We also... It's at this point, really, that the family turn into full-blown sociopaths. And especially the two Gen Z horrors that are his nieces. Mm -hmm. I hated these characters, so much. The sisters were kind of like half assedly meddling. These Zoomers were here genuinely trying to dictate their gay uncle's life as if, as if he was a plaything, Um, decided to try and sabotage the dates that Peter had with Ski Instructor James. They both had punny Instagram names. They were meant to be together and tried to hook Peter up with Nick. And it was just, it infuriated me so much. It felt like the exacerbation of kind of like the You know, when straight women look at Mm -hmm. gay men holding hands and go,
1: Oh, yeah. uh, Sorry, Jazz, as you were saying that, I've just figured it out. Oh, I figured out how we make this movie both good but also still within this genre. Uh huh. This needs to be the first queer polyamorous holiday. Oh, my
0: God, yes. I was about to say, we make them we a thruffle. We make thrupple. them a thruckle. I mean... <laughs> That's what we do. That's all we
1: have to do, right? And then you get, oh my God, yes, I can see it now. I can see... Because you know what? I've literally written over and over again, what is wrong with James? Nothing, literally nothing is wrong with James. Like Absolutely mm. nothing. And I'm like, what? This whole, the tension, the like not quite jealousy because it's your best friend and you just want him to be happy, but the secret underlying crushes, the fear of like your friendship being ruined. The idea, yeah, everything everything about this needs to be that all three of them like each other. We get rid of all the boring stuff at the beginning. We start when they're like basically at the house for Christmas so we can add some more scenes of them together. Maybe they actually spend time together. Because we also have this weird (laughs) plot line where Peter's job that he hates, which is an unspecified social media media style job Mm -hmm. his boss is like sorry we don't actually like all of these influences that we have canonically spent tens of thousands of dollars on instead we would like you to shoot this even though you were not the photographer on this shoot just in like 24 hours cool and so he's like yeah sure I'll take pictures of you Nicholas the 10 and then I'll also take some pictures of James the 10 and both of them like, it's really weird because it's shot like how you would shoot the idea of like him having attraction to both of them. Cause both of them have very sexy photo shoots with this guy. And mm-hmm, they also mm-hmm. have the whole like breathe out at me, which again is filmed and the and scored like it's meant to be a sexy moment. And I'm like, this is a really weird sexy moment to have uh in this movie and both of them do it very sexily and i'm like there is no mm-hmm. difference between these two men like on screen or off screen like we've we've seen no difference between your feelings for them we've seen no difference to how attractive you find them there's no difference
0: i will see we were we were signposted um that james the ski instructor because also everybody has a fucking generic kind of like name English yep. name yeah, Like I I can't fucking remember Ski instructor Blows out And I When he does like The blowing out thing <laughs> Blow out The slow-mo Is slightly less slow Than when Nick Oh
1: does you know it. what Which we I were think Is You paying attention the To the cinematography Jazza And I applaud you for that
0: No <laughs> Rowan I just think They're hot <laughs> That's not for you That's the only reason <laughs>
1: I just the whole thing is well, okay. So I think as well we needed more point of Nick's point of view. This this is less become a recap and more become Jazza and Ryan fixes movie. We don't have Nick's point mm. of view in this movie, and I feel like we needed to have that. We needed to have. One of them who had been like pining for a long time and the other one who had a crush at the beginning, thought it wasn't reciprocated and had very much deliberately put it out of their mind because they don't want to ruin the friendship. Or like there had to be some difference between the two friends of like why they weren't just going at it. And we needed kind of, <laughs> we needed both of them, but it turns out that Nick's entire personality is Task Rabbit and missing his dog. And I, I can't do much mm-hmm. with that. Um, we needed a little bit more from him, more personality. We needed one kid doing the meddling and we needed a threesome. Mm-hmm. Put those elements in, incredible. Maybe don't have the nativity or have the nativity in any way related to <laughs> to the rest of the plot so that Jennifer Coolidge gets to be used within this movie and you've got the perfect,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: have the perfect movie. I feel like this is pretty much like us going on these different dates and there's a lot of montages. And in fact, annoyingly, the montages are the scenes with Nicholas and Peter. So it's like, oh, cool. I guess they're spending more time together. Wish we could see it.
0: Yeah. This is the third act for yeah. me, is the second party at its aftermath. The party is, is the nativity
1: it's the pa- play. It's the pageant and its aftermath at this point.
0: It is. The, I don't understand why it's called a pageant. It no, isn't it's, it's a pageant. It's a play. It's a nativity play where Jennifer Coolidge plays the narrator. And is dressed up as Glinda the Good Witch? Uh, yes, I wrote that Question. down as well.
1: That very much is a Glinda costume.
0: Mm, excellent. So that happens. Nick and Peter have spent more time together. But James, the ski instructor comes to the recital of the nativity and sees Nick and Peter together. Oh, they're holding, they look like they like each other. And then James breaks up with Peter when they go to the pub afterwards. And after having taken part in this weird shaving social media campaign, he's gained 10K followers and is now thinking about moving to LA. Uh, just to say, 10K followers is not enough followers to move to no, LA.
1: And, and I think maybe I didn't, I didn't concentrate enough on that element of the story because I guess that we found out what's wrong with James. Mm, and it's mm-hmm, that he wants mm-hmm. to move to LA f- to pursue an Instagram career. So uh, <laughs> that is what's wrong yeah, with it. that is the only um, problem. Yeah, so we have mm-hmm. the classic bit at the end. Like we do, we finally get the confession from Peter that he has had a crush on Nick, but he doesn't want to ruin the friendship. And then for some reason, there's like a dance routine that he does with his nieces in the loft for literally no reason. And at that point, <laughs> they're like, oh, we spoke to Uncle Peter. He, the feeling is mutual. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, you're like, oh, so there's going to be something at this moment, right? Like he's going to kiss him or it's like something's going to happen... In this moment, where the fact no, it's just like okay, mm-hmm. good to know, and then you just move on. Like we didn't even need that. And I think like you know, I'm very excited for the sequel to this movie, which is just them breaking up and ruining their friendship. But oh. they decide to make their way to the to the play anyway, both knowing that they like each other, but neither of nothing's really happened yet
0: mm-hmm. for,
1: for no reason. They just you know we we needed to just wait for a little bit before we had a conversation so that it could get interrupted for narrative reasons. Mm-hmm. For the entirety of this play, I really hate when they show <laughs> plays or musicals in the actual thing and, and they just aren't good. <laughs> and But then you're meant to think they're good. Like this clou- crowd was really laughing mm-hmm. at these kids. And like there was a standing ovation and I just wrote, am I Scrooge in my notes? Because I was like, this is so, why is this happening? Move on. Mm-hmm.
0: I will say those children did not deserve a standing ovation. Absolutely they need not. to know what failure feels like
1: they need to know early because it's going to come for them Mm -hmm. and then we get like the scene in like the little sort of cafe bit you know like the kitchen backstage at a like a church hall Mm. that is the scene of the love confession where nick confesses his love and peter just uh, just says nothing Mm -hmm. it's just like okay james appears out of nowhere nick's like i i kind of like you know oh now I love you, but you haven't said it back immediately. And now your boyfriend is here. I will flee both this kitchen Mm -hmm. and this state. Off I go back to California.
0: (laughs) He books himself a flight from Boston Airport. But on the way to Kill Time, of course, the gig economy raises its ugly head again. And he goes to paint an old store on TaskRabbit. I guess. Peter runs after him, drives to the airport, but on the way sees the car that they rented parked outside the uh, shop that uh, Nick is painting. He goes inside and Nick says, Ah, hi there. Happy Christmas. I bought you a shop for your plants. Happy Christmas. Which is never, (laughs) which is his desire to turn his Instagram plant career into a I want a shop career this is the first we hear no
1: no it was it has been mentioned once before no
0: Mm. well I wasn't paying attention
1: it has been mentioned once before again it was one of those moments like when I thought they were going to fake date for about five minutes and then I realized they weren't very similar thing where I was like Mm. airport running through the airport scene baby let's go and then it was like he just drives and to himself he goes oh, is that my car like is that the rental and like just pulls over <laughs> not even like speeding down the highway to the airport can't see him thinks he's gotten on a plane thinks he's lost him forever he, they were like no that's gonna take two that's too many scenes cut 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 just he just sees the rental car don't worry about it very anticlimactic and then it turns out he's not bought him the store but he's paid for six months worth of rent that book that yeah. book fucking sold Jazza. That book, the royalties, that man is raking it. There has to be an adaptation. They have to have a TV show. You know what I mean? They got to get that like commercial money because no way that book is mm-hmm. setting him up for casually giving six months worth of rent as a Christmas present. Nonsense.
0: Yeah, 100%. And then there is the mutual declaring of love and um, we find out what happens when two bottoms kiss.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm glad that you, you were saving that absolute zinger <laughs> storing that in the bank to bring out at the end what a you're finale welcome. You're welcome. Thank i, you. I Thank um you. wrote down in the notes because i was like i have to confess i watched half of this movie at 1.5 speed because i was like i just needed to, this to keep i just need this to be over you're kidding Rowan. Like, please something interesting happen in this movie i beg of you like some chemistry i beg and then also the phrase uh, you need your tasker uh, oh Oh, my god like oh yeah like i'm gonna stick around because you'll need your tasker gross i wonder
0: how much money was paid for that to happen
1: and i'm just like slow your roll like this wasn't like oh you're getting together this is like oh we're getting together and also we're moving to the middle of fucking nowhere where we know no one
0: Mm -hmm.
1: to new hampshire on a fucking whim and also i've like tied myself financially to you to for at least six months in this show like this just i'm like a I'm such a damn Scrooge, but I was like, this is going to end badly. I can see it now. This is not, this is not it.
0: It's very, very unhealthy. And the only other kind of like person that they know is the hot ski instructor who has been rejected. Make it a throuple. Make this a polyamorous Mm -hmm. romance. That's how we make this movie Get With your
1: influencer ski instructor. (laughs) (laughs)
0: to be fair i do couple i do follow a couple of those
1: i'm not surprised in any way shape or form but yeah so i mean that was pretty much the movie and i think we vastly improved it off the cuff in the last hour Mm -hmm. just from our own quick suggestions so i don't know what that says about this as a as a piece of art
0: but my main takeaway is that i think it really shows how far we've come that gay men can have bad movies too you know
1: what yes correct Mm -hmm. i'm at this point looking up just to double check whether it's sponsored and i cannot find anything about it except for people reviewing it going this has to be sponsored but no actual confirmation
0: it must be there's no way it it must be
1: there's no way
0: guys do Rabbit if it works for you, but they're an evil corporation. They're just trying to exploit you as workers. Rise up.
1: This, I'm speaking, you're like I'm speaking directly into the mind of Nick from Single All The Way.
0: to let him know well he's he's kind of the demographic that it's like you know when somebody from the city starts doing delivery just so that they can get some exercise do you know what i mean well the
1: thing is he could probably start his own company because it's established that there is only one plumber in town and he's not very good so he should just when they move here he should start his own company where he's like the handyman of the entire town Mm. and i think he'd do great he doesn't need he can be his own boss now he can task his own rabbits baby
0: there we go. Actually, that's the sequel, isn't Task it? Your Task Your Own Rabbit. Task Your Own Rabbit. Jesus.
1: I mean, I think that's pretty much the whole the whole of the movie. I will say, so there's been... I've read some interviews specifically with Michael Urey, who obviously plays our mm-hmm. lead character, Peter. And I do think that there was a lot of awareness of the fact that they were wanting to do a movie with a world that was devoid of homophobia. They didn't want there to be like a moment in the movie where the audience were worried that someone was going to get like any kind of homophobic comments or whatever. Although I do think that there was like some very exhausting comments from the family that were just like, this isn't technically homophobia, but it is like, it's kind of like bordering on microaggression. Like this is just very tedious. And like, if I had to have this for 10 days straight, I would want to stab them. But... (laughs) But so I don't think it was necessarily a word of world of forge of homophobia. It wasn't like a kind of separate universe where homophobia doesn't exist because I think that was very much a indication that it wasn't, you know, people were ignorant. but, you know, it was it wasn't like out and out, you know, gay bashings. And so yeah, he was very conscious, I think of and the whole team was about the idea of like the problems are to do with like maintaining a relationship which can be gay problems but it can also be a problem for anyone and then he also was quoted as saying it's very rare that i pick something up that's set now that's modern and the character's problem is that he's gay there's a lot more going on in the queer community now and i'm excited about that kind of content i also think we're in this period of time where it's going to become rarer and rarer that gay characters are played by straight people Mm. which i think is very interesting because this is obviously like a very contentious sort of debate and this movie kind of went out of its way to cast queer actors within these lead roles and like very obviously like he Michael Urey, didn't actually have to audition for this role he originally was apparently sent the script or he thought he was being sent the script for Nick and read the script the sides and it was like rugged handyman and he was like "Mm, I don't know what's happened this seems to be (laughs) a bit of a mix-up but when the when the producers and directors like got wind that he was interested in the script like he I think thought that this was Netflix's first gay Christmas movie he was like oh the lead will have been snapped up by now like So like Neil Patrick Harris has got that role, like whatever. But Mm -hmm. when the creators of the movie found out that he was interested, they basically were like, I mean, you have the role. Like if you want the role, we're giving it to you, Michael, because they obviously kind of saw that potential in him for like leading man material that he hasn't necessarily got to flex before.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Which I think is kind of kind of kind of sweet.
0: It's nice that he's managed to get kind of like a, an actual leading role in the movie and I'm very very happy for him and again I'm really happy for the guy who I thought he did porn what was his name Luke McFarlane that he finally got to play a gay character he got to play his authentic self in the movie genre that he has dominated for so many years. Yeah
1: I will say actually an alternative better version of this movie is just Luke McFarlane's life. Okay. We just we just follow the story of a man who has been paid to be straight on screen and then he finally gets to play in his his gay movie and then he falls in love with his co-star mm-hmm. i'm into that
0: no we can't do that Rome. we've already done queer biopic
1: oh shit you know what take it back whoopsie when will people hire us jazza the preeminent <laughs> hosts of the queer movie <laughs> podcast to just make uh-huh. all of their gay movies better because we're up for the challenge
0: it's inevitably going to happen
1: preferably they would do it before the movie was made there's not a lot we can do now. But I do also think, like, I have seen a lot of people really like this movie and it is one of those movies that has a higher audience score than critic score. And so I do think that probably whoever this target audience was have found it and really liked it. And I, you know, I would never say anything bad about that because I think if it's a movie that speaks to you and you enjoyed or you thought was just like a bit of fun or you just liked it, made you feel warm and fuzzy, then that is what this movie was meant to do. And just because we're Grinches doesn't mean you have to be.
0: Mm-hmm. 100. So for each film that we watch and review on the Queer Movie Podcast, we rate it, of course, there needs to be a rating, by giving it uh, colours from the six-banded rainbow pride flag. Rowan, have you thought about what colours you were going to give this movie?
1: So I would say, for me, I'm going with like this... This is giving me, let's go with like three.
0: Oh, that's more than maybe I expected. Two.
1: I don't know. Uh-huh. Two or three. Which ones? So I think, okay. Well, it, uh, here's the thing though. I'm going to have to go for two because <laughs> I don't think I can uh-huh. think of three. It's, it's a, you know, maybe a flaw in our, pl- in this rating system that we have to give it a number of strokes, how much we enjoyed it, and then also assign them to. The, the things that those stripes mean. Cause I feel like, I'm like, does this, do any of these stripes appeal to this movie? Okay, I feel like Blue for Serenity because I feel like it's a very like
0: uh,
1: serene movie and that there's no real tension. Uh-huh. And then maybe the nature one because he does love plants. And also there's a dog.
0: <laughs> cool. So
1: green and blue.
0: I think I'm with you. I'm gonna give it three. Purely based on the fact that we should be allowed to have shit holiday movies as well Yeah,
1: that's fair And
0: so I'm going to give it the same as you Nature for the Mm -hmm. plants Blue for the fact that this thing just washes over you Because you know exactly what's going to happen in it from the bloody thumbnail But then I'm also going to give it spirit for the festive spirit that it is giving us during this season Very
1: good Jazza, excellent work Thank you so much Thank you so much for listening, everyone. You can follow the podcast on Twitter and our brand new Instagram, where we are going to be sharing sneak peeks of episodes and teasers and the like.
0: Our patrons on Patreon really do allow us to put in the hours of research and recording that go into these episodes. So if you feel entertained, please think about supporting us over there. And also, exclusively for our patrons, we do a monthly queer movie watch along. So come along, join the community. Grab some popcorn, have some fun.
1: And of course, make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast so you are primed for our next episode. Thank you so much, these and you'll hear from us very soon.
0: Hey, we did it. This is the end of the podcast. We have been Rowan and Jazza. We are edited by Julia Schifini, incomparable individual. And also, we are part of Multitude. Check out all of their other awesome podcasts in the collective at multitude.productions.com to